My next conversation is with an Emmy award-winning producer with extensive experience in the field and in the control room. Please welcome senior broadcast producer with Vice News Tonight, Emily Drew. Hello. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a very good way to spend a day of isolation. Another day of isolation. <laughs> Another day. Uh, Another day. Here well, we are. Here we are. So what do you believe? Um, I knew you were going to ask me that <laughs> since it's the name of your show and your first question. Um, and I, I really spent a lot of time thinking about it because I, I do have, you know, very strong beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um that help me, you know, develop my values, my relationships, my ethics, the way that I behave in the world. And those, those beliefs are very important to me. I'm also, as a journalist, very, very careful about what beliefs I talk about in public, because that can kind of get you into trouble. You know, as, as journalists, we're always trying to create our own opinions and our own attitudes toward things from the story. You know, we want to bring in other sources and other people's other people's opinions and beliefs about stories to try and give a well-rounded view of whatever we're covering. Um, you know, but the, you know, the thing that I can say that I definitely believe in and that aligns with all of my different beliefs certainly is that, you know, storytelling really creates the worlds that we exist in, right? And that's on an individual level, that's on a national level, that's on a global level. Mm. What are some of the stories that you personally have really enjoyed covering during your time as, as a journalist? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I, I loved working in the field when I was a field producer because I, I got to see firsthand the, the ways that people were living out history and living out, you know, stories that were big enough that they were making it into the households of people all over the country. Um, you know, at the same time, that was really difficult because you're seeing a lot of tragedy and you're seeing people sometimes in the worst moments of their lives, right? Um, you're talking to people who loved ones or people going through extreme health crises or natural disasters. You know, I still, I remember talking to people who lost everything in, in floods, um, people going through the, the water crisis in Flint, knowing that their child had lead poisoning and, and learning about that, you know, parents who lost their children in the nightclub shooting. Um, so those have been stories that were both rewarding and also, you know, extremely difficult to carry emotionally as well. Um, but I think, oh, go ahead. No, I'm curious, actually, how do you balance your work life and your home life? And how do you, how do you sleep at night knowing and seeing all this on the front line? Yeah, um, you know, a, a few years ago, I kind of made a commitment that I wanted to to give my work some parameters because it was truly taking over. Um, and, you know, journalism is a really fun profession in a lot of ways. And you get to spend your days talking to people, investigating stories, you know, putting together video and and words. And, and I love doing both of those things. You know, there's, I, I often say about producing that there are so many different aspects of the job. There's so many different aspects of making TV and I haven't found one yet that I don't love. I love the audio, I love the video, I love the writing, I love working with teams of people to create um, and and to tell stories, right? And how, how are we going to 
I shouldn't say create that makes it sound like we're making things up, but, but taking the pieces of stories, you know, the, the visual, the audio, the, the background documents, the interviews that we've done, the investigations that we've done, making sure the right characters are, are in the mix. It's a really creative and fun thing to do, but because it's so fun and creative, it's a little addictive. And so it does, it does tend to kind of take over. And, you know, <clears throat> we have, some phrases in industry like news nuns or prostitutes, <laughs> like people, you know, people that kind of give up everything to, to pursue this profession. Yeah. And so for myself, you know, I, I was cognizant of, of that too. Um, it was taking a lot of uh, time, especially when I was field producing and I wanted to learn other parts of the craft. And so I started working in the control room more. Um, and now I have this great opportunity um, with Vice News. I just started there recently with an extraordinary team of people that have, you know, really extensive field work experience and really extensive, you know, long form storytelling, which is a really fun, um, a really fun aspect of the business as well. But you, you do have to find ways to, to, to put walls up. <laughs> sure. Um, so what, what an interesting time to have a new job during this time of COVID. And <laughs> yeah. I think like two and a half weeks and then my I was sitting at work um, you know I was still learning people's names and learning their processes and things and I got a text from my roommate that said that one of her colleagues tested positive for COVID-19 and this was the first week in March so very early on um, in New York's crisis um, and you know the attorneys and the bosses at Vice this was the first case that I know of that they had to deal with there may have been a couple others but you know, we decided that I was going to leave immediately. And, and I went home and I um, was in isolation for a couple of weeks in my apartment. And, and then after that, I was out for like one day. And then the whole city shut down. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I, but I still remember that day. It was a beautiful day. It was sunny. I walked around my neighborhood. I, I met a friend for brunch. Um, I went to the park. I took a long walk with another friend. Um, it yeah. was It was a really beautiful day. Oh, those days. <laughs> I, I can yes. those days. Um, so during this, it's, it's going to happen again soon. We will, we will experience them again very soon, hopefully. Um, next watch. <laughs> so during this time of COVID, um, I'm sure you're incredibly busy at Vice, uh, at Vice News, covering a variety of, of different stories related to um, COVID, but what are some of the topics surrounding this particular news story do you find the most disheartening and at the same time the most inspiring? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Um, you know, on the, the disheartening stuff, you know, there life has a lot of tragedy that comes with it. And, you know, in many people's lives, they will experience out of tragedy, unfortunately, and this is a time when it's kind of en masse, right? And so when that happens, and we've seen this a lot in history with wars and, you know, other pandemics and epidemics that have happened, we, we also always see wonderful people come forward um, that are so inspiring, that are putting themselves out there. I know, you know, Mr. Rogers, also from Western Pennsylvania, <laughs> is often quoted as, you know, saying, look for the helpers in a crisis. And, we're, and in every tragic thing that I've ever covered in the field or in the newsroom, 
in the control room, you always see those people right away, the people that kind of run toward the trouble, right? And, you know, we see this, of course, with doctors and nurses, we see this with family members taking care of, you know, their elderly or their sick, um, vulnerable populations. We see, you know, responders and law enforcement officers that are still having to show up to work every day and do their jobs. We see this with teachers trying to, you know, bring lessons to their kids. We see this with entertainers and creatives that are trying to still give people that light and hope through the arts, which is so important right now. Yes. And so, I mean, there are a million examples. Um, this is kind of a tangential thing, but a long time ago, I, uh, I worked, volunteered in a homeless shelter. And there was this guy that, you know, he was, he was very interesting character and he was in and out of the homeless shelter all the time. And he had such a great attitude. And I asked him one day, you know, something about how he kept up such a great attitude when he was dealing with homelessness and addiction and all these other things. And he's, he looked at me and he said, look for it every day and every day you'll find it. And that stuck with me ever since. I think I was like 19 years old. And so if you look for that inspiration every day, it will be there. Right. But that goes with bad things too. Right. If you look for stress and pain, Every day you'll find it. The world is vast and there's so much in it. So, you know, as as um, as a regular citizen now, like not in the medical profession or, you know, not working in one of these, you know, urgently needed, you know, first responder roles, you kind of have the option of what you're going to focus on. And I think, you know, right now, as much as you can, you need to be looking for those inspirational stories because, you know, the bigger picture can be bleak, but it, it goes back to that core belief that I have that, you know, the stories you tell yourself frame your world Absolutely. and make your world, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, <clears throat> in your career, which, you know, is, is incredibly impressive, you've been on the front line of so many different news stories, the Charlie Hebdo attacks, civil attacks in various places around the United States. I'm wondering, is there a common thread to the stories that you've covered? Does that thread relate at all to the current circumstances of COVID? I mean, I will say it's a great question. First of all, you should have been a journalist. <laughs> you are now. You are a journalist. Um, you know, in the, in the most general sense, I will say that the, the, the common thread goes back to that belief I have. The, the stories that people tell themselves create their worlds and create their urgencies and create the ways that they want to live out their lives, right? So, you know, the, the person that, you know, commits a horrific mass shooting at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston has told himself some sort of twisted, sick narrative that got him to that place that he thought that that's what he was supposed to do that day. Right. I mean, like I'm sick when I think about it. Cause I, I have, um, yes, it's yeah. But there was something in him that allowed a particular narrative to fester. Right. And he, then his reality became such that his impetus was to go and do this horrific thing. And I want to tell another story about that. It, I was just reminded of it and I feel like I should, I should tell it, but when we were covering that story in Charleston, um, it was awful, heartbreaking, awful. And there were a lot of um, mourners and people from all over the country who came to that church to pay their respects in the, in the weeks that followed that. And there were also, once in a while, there would be 
some sort of protester. And usually they were kind of a lone wolf protester, you know, on one side of the race divider and another. And they would kind of come quickly and go because people kind of wouldn't tolerate it. But there was one particular woman that I will never forget. And it was, it was kind of on a break, but I, <laughs> I was standing there with another guy and we were, we were um, waiting to start doing, I think it was another live hit. Um, and a woman came around to where all these mourners were gathered and she started screaming and she was <laughs> irate. And, um, you know, I won't say which side of the divide she was on, but it, it was racist stuff, pretty hateful stuff. And I've never seen anything like this in my life. There were women all over that, that street in front of Mother Emanuel Church who started looking at each other and you could just see them. And I was one of them, I was looking, but I was also kind of off to the side. And these women, all different walks of life, all different races, were looking at each other. You could tell that they were from different places all over the country. And they gathered around her and formed this circle around her. And some of them were praying and some of them were like talking her down. And I mean, it was an instant, instant transition from like livid, angry, spewing hate to like, her, she broke down crying. All the women were crying. It was so beautiful. So, you know, the, the, the narrative there, whatever that woman believed in her heart, right? She believed it so much that she was willing to stand in the middle of the street screaming these things. That narrative was broken by this like astounding love that these random strangers showed her. It was, it was a really beautiful moment. I'll never forget that either, but, um, but that's kind of, you know, this extreme, extreme and very quick version of how, you know, narratives aren't set in stone. You can still learn new things that will change your narrative. You can still learn new things that can change your beliefs. Um, and, you know, being open to dialogue with other people and being open to continuing to learn new things about things you haven't experienced explored before, questioning yourself on stories that you hear, those things are so important. Um, you know, not every day do you see a miracle like like what I saw there at that church, but um, but it certainly happens all the time. You know, it's just a process of, generally it's a process of learning, I think, which <laughs> we need to do more of. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, having faith in humanity, I mean, mm -hmm. it, 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 I hear that story and I just think, wow, it, that is powerful and and so just shows you that that people if they gather together can create mm -hmm. incredible things and right now especially during this time of covid it just kind of brings me back to you know why are we you know what's the what is what's going to come what's the good that's coming out of all of this mm -hmm. you know yeah and i I think a lot of people are struggling with that with that question right now, right? I mean, it's kind of like a daily calling that we all have to like lift each other's spirits and lift your own spirit, find things that you like to do that will cheer you up. You know, um, my boss the other day, we have this daily meeting um, at the end of every day to watch down the show and, you know, find things that might be wrong with it or things that we want to change or update. And she showed up and she told everyone she was wearing heels. And it was the first time that she, she'd worn like regular people's shoes in, in a month, but it, lift, it lifted all of our spirits, you know? And so there are like lots of little things that we can do. In a way, the bar is very low. <laughs> like yeah. there are a lot of little things that we can do to lift each other's spirits. Um, and yeah, and every, well, I was just going to say in every, like, 
tragedy that I've covered, you know, whether it's been right there at the scene or or in the newsroom, every single tragedy, there are, you know, however, however many you look for, you will find stories about people doing good things, right? And it's yeah. 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 Thank you for that. And that, that, that's, that's the beauty of, of, you know, humanity. Um, and, and, you know, I find personally that my, my conversations with people are, are, you know, more intimate, um, you mm -hmm. know, my relationships on the whole have improved, you know, it, it, sometimes we, we put up this front because like you said, you know, running busy, you know, here we are in life and life takes over. We don't have a moment to speak to the people that we love and care for. And now we have some time, you know, yeah. so that connectivity is, 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 is really the most important thing I feel for, for a lot of us that that's coming out of this. And, and I loved that story that you told. It feels like that just, it just harkens back to, to this COVID situation. And <laughs> I, mean, I just, yeah, I just, thank you. I mean, it's yeah. fascinating. Um, you know, when, when you're confronted with a lot of these, these stories, I'm sure it's sort of, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure like, a, I'm wondering, like, does something like switch on for you? Like, do you all of a sudden do you go into like an adrenaline? Because like, I, I always envision like, you <laughs> this, like kind of like all of a sudden, like, you're like, ta-da, like, you're just like, boom, and, like <laughs> and then you're like, I gotta go and a wonder woman. And like, you're kind of going, I mean, do you kind of like, all of a sudden, like your Emma, your Emily Drew that your family knows, and then you like switch into like Emily Drew, the journalist, and then you're like you put on your armor. I just kind of see that. I don't know why I said that. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so honored that you <laughs> think so highly of the profession. You may be the last one in the United States that thinks that way. So thank you. <laughs> um, um, you know it. I, there are so many different roles in journalism. I think when I was field producing, there were definitely moments when I would, you know, get a call from my boss, like you're going to Burns, Oregon, hang out with these ranchers who are, you know, or, you know, there's just been a shooting, you need to get there or whatever. Um, yeah, there were moments when I grabbed my go bag and I jumped in a taxi and went to the airport and ran to the terminal and begged them to give me a ticket, you know, uh, and yeah, there were, there were moments of incredibly high adrenaline. Um, and, and, you know, I, I was a field producer for several years. Some people do this work their entire careers. Some of the most incredible people, full stop, that I've met are, you know, the camera people and audio techs for broadcast TV news. They're incredible. The things that they've seen and the places they've gone. And, you know, if you're in a dangerous situation, you know, and you only get to send one person into the most dangerous part of the situation, you're going to send the cameraman, right? So, so these people, the stories that they have are incredible. It was such a privilege to get to work with so many of the um, NBC News crews because they were just brilliant, brilliant people. And, and the things that they witnessed over decades, right? There was so much to learn from them. Um, so I always feel a little bit funny saying that, like, I've done all this amazing work because I know so many people who have done so much more um, and in, in much more harrowing, harrowing situations. Um, and, you know, they are an inspiration to me. And, and I think, you know, at, at this time, for example, during COVID and our coverage 
at at Vice and at other places, you know, are all of the companies are taking maximum precaution. When when I asked our security folks about what we were doing when we're in the field, you know, I got pages and pages and pages of protocols and, you know, equipment management and cleaning and, you know, quarantine and isolation procedures and, you know, all of these things. And the people now going out into the field, whatever their story, whatever story they're covering, which is, you know, 98% of the time made up statistic is, is going to be about COVID-19. Um, you know, they're now, there's now this this extra layer of stress and danger, right? And I truly don't know many people that work in the field that are people that are afraid of stuff generally. Like, you don't, they're not nervous people, right? You can't be. Um, but this is a time where there's an added layer of stress. And I'm sure that, you know, that's, that's difficult for people, especially when you have to then stay away from many of your loved ones and friends that would normally give you that kind of support and normalcy that you need after you cover something that's tragic, right? Yes, well, we're so grateful for all the work that you and your colleagues do to get us the stories. Yeah, um, I think it's- I'm, I'm very lucky that, that I, you know, get to be, <laughs> I get to be in isolation with my family right now, which is wonderful. I get to spend yeah. all of that unexpected time, but many of my colleagues are, you know, are not, they're still in the field doing stuff, so hat tip to them. Oh yeah, hats off to them, uh, absolutely. And and sending them, you know, prayers and, and, and healing so that they're protected because this is a crazy, crazy time. <clears throat> Emily, thank mm-hmm. you so much for everything. This was an amazing interview and I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, to get this on the podcast. This was great. Thank you.